0: Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to Real Skiers with Jackson Hogan. Dear listeners, before embarking on the continuation of my coverage of the 2020 Big Mountain category, permit me to remind you that most of my podcasts are culled from the pages of realskiers.com. I also wish to remind you that subscribers to realskiers.com, only $24.95 a year for new subscribers and $19.95 for returning members, are entitled to share their problems and woes directly with me. I'm normally able to answer inquiries within 48 hours, usually less. And now this week's episode, my 2020 Big Mountain Ski Reviews Part 2. We pick up our coverage of the best finesse skis in this genre with a new ski from Solomon, the Stance 102. The new Solomon Stance 102 is a frontside ski in a fat suit. Were it not for its width, which by real skiers' rules lands it in the big mountain genre, and a dash of tip rocker, it would be a frontside ski, and a strong one. To understand a ski's purpose, one needs to know what void it's filling in its brand's big picture, as well as where it fits in the category in which it's competing. Perhaps the best way to define the role of the Stance 102 in Solomon's 2021 collection is to identify what it is not, namely a QST. Solomon's well established QST series goes all in on the lighter is better approach. While the top models use a titanal platform underfoot, the rest of their construction depends on a mix of fibers to deliver the right ratios of longitudinal flex, torsional rigidity, light weight, and shock damping. Within the global Solomon product universe, the QST label is shorthand for Quest, which connotes off trail skiing. So the Stance series wasn't intended to go head-to-head with QST in the race for the lightest in-resort ski. The competition it was made to stare down are the wooden titanel powerhouses issuing from the likes of Blizzard, Nordica, and Volkl. The niche the Stance 102 aims to occupy is that of a wood, poplar, and metal titanal, laminate, that's just a bit less than the market leaders in the genre. A bit less heavy, a bit less torsionally rigid in the forebody, and a bit less work to bow. Mission accomplished. While the rocker tip isn't over-eager to get into the next turn, it hooks up as early as any in this all rocker, all all-the-time genre. Removing a swath of titanal from the forebody trims off a few grams and lets the front of the ski roll with the punches delivered by tracked-up snow. Because Solomon is tampered with its torsional stiffness, the Stance 102 doesn't feel as wide as it measures, so it never feels ponderous. Although its rockered forebody inhibits early turn entry, it's secure through the belly of the long turns it prefers. The Stance 102 feels quick off the edge in part because it doesn't cling to a crosshill arc, its tail's unusually narrow width dictating a more direct route downhill. Equally adept at drifting and carving, the key to its polyvalence on or off-piste, the Stance 102 isn't as open-minded about turn shape and consequently speed. A 23-meter side cut radius in a 183 creates a fall line orientation that discourages slow, short turns. Aside from this forgivable foible, the Stance 102 is simplicity itself to steer, earning it a silver skier selection. Next in our roster of Big Mountain Recommended Fineskies, is the K2 Mindbender 108 TI. No other brand underwent as thorough a transformation between 1819 and 1920 seasons as K2. In fact, no one else is close. Brands with a relatively high turnover rate might introduce only four or five new models in a busy year. K2 concocted six new Mindbender unisex models and an equal allotment of models for the ladies. That's commitment. Two visible features give the best of the new mindbenders, headlined by the 108 TI, their signature look and associated behavior, Tetanyl Y-beam and powerwall. TI Y-beam is, as the name suggests, a slingshot-shaped yoke of Tetanyl that fortifies the tail and perimeter of the forebody. Powerwall elevates the midsection to amplify pressure over the camber pocket and direct more force to the edge. The tapered tip is allowed to distort as it shoulders its way ahead and tracked up crud without affecting the tranquil ride behind it. The Mindbender 108 Ti tries to win the war against crud by caressing it instead of crushing it. It has a gift for rolling to the edge that makes it feel quicker than the norm among skis of its 108mm girth. To execute a truly tight radius turn requires overruling its roughly 30m sidecut radius and foot swiveling a flat ski a move the Mindbender 108Ti has down pat. Its impressive 9.25 score for drift speaks to its ability to break according to the current style that uses skidding as the primary form of speed management. It takes only one section of uncut powder to realize that this unsullied canvas is where the Mindbender 108Ti would prefer to display its artistry. Who wouldn't rather ski unblemished freshies? By afternoon, what was once pristine is now a mogul field. Remarkably, its soft, rockered forebody allows the 108 Ti to conform to gnarly bumps I'm looking at you, snowboarders, as if they were only a minor inconvenience. Because it isn't torsionally rigid throughout, the Mindbender 108 Ti doesn't feel as wide as it measures. In soft snow, it feels comfortable enough to be an everyday ski. But that's asking a lot of a ski that likes powder as much as you do. (laughs) For the natural way it makes skiing deep snow seem mindlessly easy, we award the Mindbender 108Ti a silver skier selection. Now another ski from K2 from quite a different part of their collection, the K2 Reckoner 102. One of my favorite bump skis that wasn't intended to be a bump ski was the K2 Shredder 102 of around 2015, of course, it couldn't be as quick as a real mogul ski edge-to-edge, so it did most of its navigation by slarving through the troughs and slinking around the lumpy bits. The new Reckoner 102 is in several respects the same ski, albeit embellished in ways its ancestor was not. The similarities are hard to miss. The shape of the 184CM is identical, save for a tip that's 3mm wider on the Reckoner, giving it a marginally 0.7m snugger sidecut radius. Both Shreditor and Reckoner rely on braided fibers to control flex and torsion, with the Shreditor using a triaxial braid of fiberglass and the Reckoner using spectral braid spun from carbon. Both vintages use aspen in the core, although the Shreditor complemented it with featherweight polonia, while the Reckoner uses aspen in concert with nets or fur. Both have relatively low camber underfoot, use a reinforced sidewall for added resistance to ski-on-ski damage, and both, of course, are twin tips. What the Reckoner 102 brings to the party that the shredder could not is spectral braid, a variable angle braiding technique patent pending. As applied to the Reckoner, Spectral Braid uses a tight weave underfoot that opens up as it moves to tip and tail. This makes both front and rear rocker zones soft and compliant, helping the Reckoner 102 switch from forward to reverse in a twinkling. The archetype of the Reckoner 102's quintessential customer is captured in the catalog photo that sets the tone for the three model Reckoner family. Its youthful protagonist is leaping backwards over a rock outcropping in a tuck position that allows him to increase the insanity of the exercise by grabbing hold of his skis. I doubt there are a great many readers of these words who could maintain this pose if they were plastered to the planet, much less suspended several yards above it. Mercifully, the Reckoner 102, like the Shredder before it, doesn't need to be skied upside down and backwards to be enjoyed. If you like a ski that's playful, poppy, and super simple to drift, it can serve as an all-mountain ski for someone who is aerially inclined. If you want to take your pipe and park skills to the side country, the Reckoner 102 wants to come with you. K2 is keenly aware that Shredder 102's target customer is a spirited youth, so it keeps the street cost down to a skinny $5.99 that's not so brutal on the family budget. This brings us to the Blizzard Rustler 10. The Blizzard Rustler 10 wants you to look good, so it makes everything about off-trail skiing easier. There's a long central band of titanel on the top to stabilize the ski underfoot, while allowing the tip and tail to twist. The idea is to keep the tapered tip from getting involved with every obstruction it meets. Instead of trying to hook up at the top of the turn like a hard snow-oriented ski is meant to do, it politely deflects all rough treatment by bending with the blow. The same basic idea at the tail keeps it from insisting on finishing every arc on a hairline trajectory, as a skiing we're trying to emulate figure skating. The Rustler 10 also wants you to ski all day, or at least be able to on those storm days when your tracks fill in between tram rides, and a stop would be unforgivable. So it keeps its overall weight under control, despite the tetanal stabilizer, by using a recipe of poplar, beech, polonia, milled foam, and balsa for the core and layers of glass laced with carbon as the main structural element. Swatches of unidirectional carbon in the tip and tail subtract from the ski's swing weight, so it's easier to pivot when circumstances require a sudden change in direction. A more powerful skier, who takes his hard snow technique with him when he travels off-trail, might prefer the more connected feel of the Blizzard Cochise 106. But for the majority of off-piste skiers, the Rustler 10 is a better fit. When the nearly expert skier really needs help, the rustler is a godsend. Imagine being in flat light, a common condition when the goods are there to be gotten, and not being able to tell what your tips are going to encounter next. That's where the rustler 10's innate surfability takes over, smearing over the unseen obstacles as if they weren't there. Quote, It makes variable snow fun with a blend of great width, side cut, power, and accuracy, says one of the Peter Glenn crew. Quote, it's easy going, confirms co-worker Ward Piles, but you can turn it on when you want to get after it. It turns so easily, you don't have to work. Like a wolf in sheep's clothing, the Rustler 10 is a power ski hiding in a finesse ski's body. Considering how well it's adapted for skiing and cut-up powder, the Rustler 10's performance on corduroy exceeds expectations. For its abundant ease of operation in soft snow, the whole idea behind fat skis in the first place, we again award the Rustler 10, a silver skier selection. Which brings us to the Fisher Ranger 102 FR, which is an interesting amalgam of old school principles and new school attitude. At heart, it's a traditional wood core glass laminate construction with square ABS sidewalls. But on closer examination, the wood laminates in the core are carved into a Chinese puzzle of latticework developed for Fisher's market dominating cross country skis. To keep the lightweight Airtech Ti core from being bounced around by stiff mounds of set-up crud, a thin sheath of tetanel covers the core underfoot. Keeping the metal component to a minimum allows the Ranger 102 FR's glass structure the freedom to flex under mild pressure and immediately pop back into its cambered position. Put this action-reaction pulse into motion and you have the makings of a very fun powder run. The Ranger 102FR's frisky attitude is perfect for the finesse skier who doesn't want to plow through pow on a metal-laden battleship but prefers to playfully pounce in and out of it. An outward sign of its inner desire to let its freak flag fly is a twin-tip baseline that would rather drift over snow than drive through it. Even a power skier accustomed to a more connected baseline will find the Ranger 102FR's formula results in a ski that's effortless through the turn transition preserving energy for the rigors of a bell-to-bell powder day. A big sweet spot that's easy to balance on makes it simple for skiers of any skill set to keep up with the Ranger 102 FR's smooth moves. Its forgiving nature makes for a confidence-inspiring support system for anyone just learning the ropes in big mountain skiing. As one smitten tester notes, It simply does everything very well. Big love. My favorite fisher. This will be my next backcountry skiing. For its gentle yet energetic disposition, we award the returning Ranger 102FR a silver skier selection. That concludes our coverage of the Big Mountain Finesse skis. Now it's on to our power picks. The defining difference between our power picks and finesse favorites can be summed up succinctly. How fast are you willing to go before you steer out of the fall line? If you tend to ride the brakes and the gas at the same time, you've overshot your category you should be searching among the finesse models. But if you love to let it rip, sending up geysers that almost engulf you as you go headlong downhill, this is your dating pool. Chances are, every one of these skis is better than you are, which is a good thing when you're pushing the edge of the envelope. If your skills are commensurate with our power picks, you'll have a partner for powder days that won't ever let you down. At the top of our list of power picks is Stokely's Stormrider 105. Stokely has been trying to domesticate the Stormrider 105 ever since the Swiss unleashed this beast what feels like a lifetime ago. For 2020, its evolution towards a lighter, more flexible Stormrider continues by tapering both layers of Tetanol so they're thinner at the ends and switching sidewall material to something damper and more impact-resistant. No doubt the 2020 Stormrider 105 is a little easier to steer, and its more flared tail will hold a cross-hill longer than last year's version. But it still likes to travel close to the fall line, if for no other reason than it needs some wind in its sails to become tractable. While the tapered tetonal sheets are lighter and more flexible, awesome for following irregular terrain, they still deliver a high dose of torsional rigidity, which tends to accentuate the sensation of width on a big mountain ski. What feels ponderous in first gear swiftly transforms into a platform that seems impervious to any force that dares to block its downhill course. It's like riding a wild river on a boat you know will never capsize. A very, very powerful, predictable ski, reports Jim Schaffner of Starthouse, and no, the second very isn't redundant. If anything, it's one very too few. Its thickness and stiffness helps it to do a pretty good job of powering through most of the junk and the crud the best all-arounder in this group, he concludes. It bears mention that Schaffner is unusually powerful himself, so he's a perfect match for this uba-powerful ski. There are many occasions when the Stormrider 105's implacable stability rides to the rescue, such as long runouts at day's end, when your legs are pudding, or when surfing slough that's moving under you, or when you need to ride out a hairy exit at the end of a couloir. It's nice to know, when your butt is on the line, that your skis have a power reserve you can activate in an emergency. Note that the 2020 Stormrider 105 size selection has been pared down to three options, 170, 179, 188, all of which are new. What hasn't changed is the Stormrider 105's preeminent position as the best power ski in the Big Mountain category. This brings us to our next candidate, the Vocal Mantra 102. Not since the first Cochise rolled off the production line some eight years ago has there been a big mountain ski like the Vocal Mantra 102. You can feel the power percolating under the hood before you even have it out of first gear. Even though it's only 102 millimeters underfoot, it feels more substantial. At slow speeds, its triple radius side cut, which goes long, short, long, encourages the Mantra 102 to stay close to the fall line so it can pick up enough inertia to show its other moves. Once you've shown it you care by injecting speed into its veins, the Mantra 102 becomes more compliant. Even though it's double rockered, its Tetanal frame design, which puts more mass around the tip and tail, keeps nearly the full length of the ski engaged. While not exactly nimble, its lowest scores for short turns, it doesn't have to be, for whatever lies in its path better get out of its way or face extinction. As I noted on my test card, quote, the ends are a bit loose, but otherwise its phenomenal security makes you feel as powerful as King Kong, like you can drive through anything. I would hate to be a pile of frozen snow between me and the bottom. The last thing it will ever see is the vocal logo bearing down on it. This mantra uberales attitude is unusual in a big mountain genre where finesse skis are in the majority. The mantra 102 has as much interest in floating over new snow as a bathysphere, and would rather pummel a patch of soft snow than caress it. Quote, it's more traditional in the way it feels, says Jim Schaffner of Starthouse, citing the mantra 102's technical approach to off-trail skiing. A super-solid ski for these conditions. Note that Schaffner skied on a 191 centimeter, a big boy's length, in 10 inches of wind affected pow. Schaffner continues, I would say it's not as playful as some of the other 100s. If you'd had difficulty finding a big mountain ski that's able to support your mass and your mojo, your search has ended. I'm sure that someone whose nickname is Bluto or Bruiser will use the Mantra 102 as his everyday ski, but its glory is a wide open crud field where it can cut loose like an extra large GS race ski with anger issues. Which brings us to one of the archetypes in this category, the Blizzard Cochise 106, which is new this year or at least modified. Since they began crushing everything in their path in 2011, the Cochise and Bodacious, the big boys in Blizzard's now legendary freeride collection, have undergone more minor elective surgery than the Kardashians without ever changing their crud-killing instincts. For 2021, the Bodacious may keep making fresh tracks in powder heaven, but its time on Earth is nearly over. The market for supersized skis is already well-served at Blizzard by the Rustler 11 and the reimagined Spur rendering the Bodacious expendable. While powerful powder hounds will miss it, the Bodacious never achieved the stardom of the Cochise, which leapt into public consciousness when it was named skiing magazine Ski of the Year when the, quote, Rodeo Bull series came out of the chute. While the advisability of touting a 108mm ski as a panacea for every skier's problems remains highly suspect, there's no argument that the Cochise set a new standard for power properties in the big mountain realm. However it's been assembled over the years, the Cochise will always own a special place in Blizzard's history as Arne Backstrom's ski. It was Backstrom who first conceived of Flipcore, the technology that would completely transform the Austrian brand, elevating it from obscurity to prominence in the American market. The Cochise was the first embodiment of his vision, and as such enjoys holy relic status in the halls of Blizzard's R&D department. The 2021 Cochise represents a return to its traditional values by cutting back on some of its beefier elements without scrimping on the two and a half layers of titanil that give the Cochise its indomitable determination to teach Crud a lesson it won't soon forget. The new Cochise whittles away at the tip and waist width and plumps up the tail, reducing the side cut radius by three meters and a 185 cm. While this encourages the rejuvenated Cochise to finish its big bank turns, quick little arcs are still not part of its repertoire. To get the 2021 Cochise to feel more like the original, Blizzard tinkered with several possible core changes. Bear in mind this redesign comes after several years of Rustlers, Blizzard's softer, gentler big mountain collection that uses Polonia, balsa, and core alongside the poplar and beech laminates that have been used in the Cochise Kalan forever. Blizzard attempted to modify its new True blend core for the Cochise, but its added width meant more mass, inhibiting the maneuverability the R&D team was trying to augment. So the 2021 Cochise core added Polonia to its matrix, lightening the load and improving its responsiveness. The cumulative changes to the Cochise 106 contribute to a general improvement to its on-trail comportment, so it's truly an all-terrain ski, as it was conceived to be. Even though it has changed, it hasn't contorted into something it's not. It's still the same power ski it always was, just as Backstrom would have wanted it. This brings us to the new Rossignol Black Ops sender tie. The previous occupant of this critical slot in Rosignol's lineup, the Soul 7, might well have been the biggest seller in the short history of the Big Mountain genre a mostly glass ski that was light, springy, and sinfully simple to ski in the soft conditions it was meant for, the Soul 7 HD left behind big tracks to fill. The new black ops sender tie could probably follow a Soul 7 track as they share a similar side cut, but in almost every other respect, the two skis are decidedly different. Like rebellious progeny everywhere, the sender tie wouldn't want to be caught dead acting like dad. The biggest differences between the two Rossis are in baseline and construction, with the sender tie favoring more continuous snow connection and a damper ride able to suck up the vibrations that come with higher speeds. The sender tie doesn't just toss tetanol at the problem, it adds supplementary damping systems on both the horizontal and vertical planes. An elastomer layer Rosie calls damp-tech smooths out the ride in the forebody, while twin ABS struts running the length of the ski resist every effort to knock it offline. A weave of carbon alloy encasens its poplar core, just for good measure. The interplay of all these dampening agents is what allows the sender tie to feel so secure in every phase of the turn despite having a modestly rockered tip and tail. It's as ready to drift as it is to carve, an indispensable trait in an all-terrain ski. Its nearly flat, square tail won't wash out when attacking the fall line on hard pack, and all its shock-absorbing tech keeps crud from kicking it around off-trail. Overall, it's a more powerful ski than the Soul 7 HD, without being any more challenging to ski. The one low mark on the sender-tie's transcript is for short-radius turns, a common complaint about Big Mountain models due to their girth and usually shallow side cut. It's not really an issue because no one tries to carve a slalom turn on a powder ski when it's so easy to swivel it. In the blink of an eye, a long carve can be converted to a tight drift and twist as the need arises, as it may on every run in trees and couloirs. Brilliantly balanced between power and finesse behaviors, the black-up sender tie belongs in the first rank of big mountain skis. While it shares few of its forebears' behavioral traits, the sole seven in the sender tie do have one thing in common. They both may wear the mantle of Ski of the Year. Next up is a personal favorite of mine, the HeadCore 105. The Head Core 105 is a very clever combination of some old-school principles, a few features that are de facto standards in the big mountain genre, and technology that is on the cutting edge of ski design. Head is the only ski maker with a license to use graphene, carbon in a one-atom-thick matrix, which allows its engineers to stiffen or soften flex with minimal effect on mass. To maintain this weight advantage, the heaviest component in the core is a slice of poplar next to the sidewall. The rest of it is a synthetic honeycomb called choroid and a quotient of caruba, an ultralight wood commonly found in alpine touring skis. The core 105 gets its power and energy from the carbon, fiberglass, and graphene that are laminated around this exotic core. To further trim grams, the top sheet is a cap made from polyester fleece, another dampening agent that's only downside is it's difficult to decorate, which is why all the cores look murdered out. This recitation of low-mass components makes it sound as though the core's only selling feature is its lightweight chassis. There's no question that the core design is laser-focused on keeping the ski light, but if that were its only accomplishment, it wouldn't be such a big deal. What makes the core construction remarkable is that it's light but never wimpy, Once you ski it for a few runs, you forget about the lightweight and just ski as you normally would, only with less labor and fatigue. When designers are working with a new material, it takes a while to figure out how to optimize it. Head was using graphene in its skis for six years before it was ready to roll out the Core 105 and its kin. Somewhere in that process, it adopted a few current conventions, such as tips and tails that are rockered and tapered so neither can take over a turn. Because the Core 105 is so stout underfoot, its relatively inert extremities don't dilute its hard snow holding power. As for its traditional values, the Core 105's side cut is very shallow for a head, with only a 30mm drop between the widest point just behind the shovel and the waist. The relatively mild tip to center taper angle harkens back to the first years of shaped skis. Then as now, the less radical shape allows the ski to plane more evenly through snow that's anything but level softening the blow from the constant changes in consistency. Quote, the dampest lightweight ski ever, awesome energy and snow feel. Works all day, inbounds or backcountry, raved Lucas from Footloose last year. My favorite ski of the test, he concluded. One of the Sportloft cohort captured its multiple personalities. Quote, soft for the soft snow, stiff and stable for the hard snow. For the weight, the best ski for the money, period for continuing to fulfill the promise inherent in big mountain skis, that they'll make off-trail skiing easier, we again award the Core 105, a silver skier selection. Which brings us to our final big mountain ski of the 2020 season, the Fisher Ranger 107 Tie. The Fisher Ranger series is aptly named, for over the relatively long arc of its career, it has ranged from one end of the design spectrum to the other. It began several seasons ago as essentially an all-mountain ski with racing in its bloodlines, beefed up with square sidewalls and a classic wooden metal makeup. For a skilled skier with strong legs, they could pulverize anything in their path, but as a helpmate to the so-so skier looking for an easy way down a crud field, they were overkill. So Fisher tacked back in the other direction, tapping into its expertise in cross-country ski design where the brand has reigned for decades, to re-outfit the Ranger line with an elaborately milled-out core. This move was in keeping with the overall trend to lighter constructions, but for the most part this collection lacked the power and energy to match the performance of the top models in the Big Mountain category. So for 1920, Fisher again redesigned the flagships of its Ranger TIE series, returning to a layup with twin tetonal laminates for stability and liberal use of carbon to make it responsive. Carbon inlays in the tip and tail help make the extremities thin and light, so the new Ranger 107 Ti is easier to foot-steer when necessary. Quote, it's user-friendly, but can still be skied aggressively, notes one admiring tester. You can take your foot off the gas, and it's still responsive. Compared to the Ranger 108 Ti that preceded it, the Ranger 107 Ti has a slightly less shapely silhouette and a longer contact zone underfoot giving it more directional stability and an overall calmer disposition in the sloppy seconds that prevail on so-called powder days. Its new side cut favors the skier who can maintain momentum through a series of rhythmic, mid-radius turns that neither enter nor exit the turn too suddenly. The improvements in the new Ranger 107 tie are emblematic of a new emphasis on product at Fisher, particularly in the neglected realms of big mountain and backcountry skiing. We don't think it's a coincidence that significant improvements in the Austrian brand ski and boot collections happen to occur during a period of regime change at the U.S. subsidiary. While all ski design and manufacture is a collaborative enterprise, it helps to empower a visionary. I believe that what we're seeing is the first fruits of Mike Hatrip's involvement. If I'm right, Fisher's immediate future is looking brighter by the day. This concludes our coverage of 2020's Big Mountain Ski Category. We hope you've enjoyed it. Please look at realskiers.com for even more details about the Big Mountain Categories of both the past and the present. And we look forward to seeing you again on our next podcast. This has been Real Skiers with Jackson Hogan. Thanks for listening.